Hello everybody and welcome back to Descending Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and once again I'm joined by my co-host Mike. How are you Mike? Yeah, not too bad. Nice to be here today. Good, good to have you on board and welcome to all our listeners. Good to um, have you tuning in again to Descending Consciousness. So this episode is a follow-up to our previous one where, uh, which was entitled Problem Reaction Solution. Uh, which we spoke in which we spoke about the current problems in the world in that um, due to a complete lack of discernment there seems to be more and more extreme polarity uh, it tends to be a lot of argument disagreement and discord especially around issues like which we spoke about um, brexit um, trump and climate change but also things to do with identity politics race uh, ethnicity um, religion uh, would you agree Mike that on all of these issues there isn't much uh, discernment um, or objective thinking going on as we discussed yeah um, like you said not much objective thinking at all there and last week we focused on um, all the personal sense mm. and this time we're trying to take it more to a large-scale situation mm. so just more of um, kind of looking at the world externally and perhaps um, offering some solutions because as we said in the previous episode um, it does look it looks rather um, gloomy rather grim doesn't it yeah. it doesn't look like there are any um, real solutions but in this episode we're going to offer some solutions as to how um, the world if more discernment was applied how the world might improve and how human consciousness might deepen and evolve. We're going to talk principally about the environmental issue, uh, the environment, uh, because we feel whatever your view in terms of global warming or climate change, the environment is something that affects us all. I think you would agree with that, Mike. Yeah, most definitely. And not just us as humans, it affects all the um, animals and beings of this world. Mm. And, you know, what was it? A report I read not too long ago, it said like, We've wiped out like 30% of wildlife since 1970 or something like that. Right. Which is quite a, quite a big number. Yeah, it's shocking. And then um, after that, what we're going to talk about is actually how human consciousness itself uh, might develop as well. So first of all, Mike, I think we're going to look at the environmental issue. Yeah, so like we said, we are destroying the world at a greater and greater pace than ever before and it just can't keep going on like this. You mean this. with things like um, no one could deny the extent, the shocking extent of species die out uh, as you said in yeah. recent decades. So we've got the species dying out especially with the bees and the colored disorder. Yeah. Um, you've got the deforestation, you're taking out the wildlife for them to thrive in. Mm. We are just putting in monoculture farms in which aren't healthy for the environment. Mm. Um, you know, healthy for us sometimes, but not necessarily for the environment. Mm. Um, and, you know, overfishing, it's getting to the point where we can't destroy any more mm. and not be shitting on our own doorstep. Mm. Um, using the word shitting, quite like that. <laughs> um, it, there was last week, um, there was a report um, from Delhi there was extreme pollution going on there. People were warned, you know, not to travel. I think the airport was closed because planes couldn't um, 
couldn't land but this isn't an isolate, isolated incident and I've seen many reports online of certain rivers in China that are now basically just devoid of any kind of life because they're so um, heavily polluted so what we're talking about here on discerning consciousness is pollution rather than climate change that's what we're focusing on aren't we well it's all kind of part of one thing i mean the whole big climate change argument um revolves around global warming mm. the fact that the the temperatures are heating up and it's going to get to a point where it's going to um tip things out of balance and bad things are going to happen because of that mm. but it's not just that it's everything we're doing to the environment that's really the big issue mm. yeah so it's not just the polluting it's not just the deforestation it's not just the garbage um stuff that is piling up in the middle of the ocean mm. the plastic patch mm. um you know it's all of that together mm. you know even the, the the oceans themselves are holding less oxygen at the moment because of the the acidity levels are getting mm. too high i wonder mike for my benefit and principally for our listeners could you explain so the established uh scientific model of global warming with regards to carbon how does that work um, what what is it well it's not a simplistic model because no. there's a lot of things going. Well, you can dumb it down for yeah, the benefit yeah. of our listeners. But it's, just, <laughs> it's essentially coming down to um, the argument that we're just pumping too much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, mm. um, and it's leading to um, global warming in the sense that it's capturing heat in the atmosphere and it's not allowing it to escape. Mm. Now you might think that's good, you know, can do with being a bit warm in the winter, especially at the moment, mm. but on a grand scale it's just getting out of hand mm. temperatures are starting to get too high and it causes a feedback loop um which is just going to um known as the greenhouse effect which is literally just going to keep heating up the the environment more and more and more um can i just check how does that r relate to these the ozone or ozone gases which uh you probably agree we don't hear of as much now than we did a few years you remember it, where all the talk of global warming climate change they would throw in about the ozone layer being depleted now you don't hear about that so right. how does now, that that wasn't that was something that was um noticed in the i think it was the 80s or early 90s or something like that they yeah. noticed there was a giant area um where the ozone layer which is a protective layer for us because it does take the incoming solar rays and take the energy off from that um had depleted a large zone and that was found out to be known to be caused by cfc gases right okay um which are complex molecules that um <clears throat> are just really bad for the environment for right. us we don't want to breathe it in but it comes in a used to come in a lot of like spray can type deodorants um right, a lot of like spray paints and stuff right. like this um and they just you know worldwide banned them because they were so bad yeah. and if anything yeah there is still a bit of a, a hole in the ozone layer but it's nothing like it used to be so that's seen improvement because we've made changes right okay so um can i just check so in terms of within the scientific community you see a lot of reports on facebook probably like i do and our listeners of certain um scientists within the scientific community who completely um disagree with the carbon um the production of carbon uh being the main cause of global warming or they actually dispute the fear of global warming they say we're actually going to a period of global cooling so how how do they substantiate their point or 
what is the argument between the two models? Right. Um, so at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that um, global warming is a political rather than scientific. So things right. are changed from what the science actually says to when it actually comes out into the political domain. So you mean that the politicians choose to interpret the data in a certain way and then they've got um, scientists that who are in the pay of uh, powerful lobbies that would would um, communicate a message that it, it, it is an established model that it's acceptable. Is that what you mean? Well, if you're going down to the people that um global warming with the the science of it i mean the fact is we we say that co2 is the is the bad one here but mm. you've got to remember that the co2 actually makes up less than about a percent of the atmosphere mm. um and so yeah we're blaming everything on this but because that's the thing we're chucking out so much um not so we we actually does that mean sorry to interrupt by default we need more carbon in a way is that what you mean well, I'll put it this way, um, it wouldn't be so bad if we weren't cutting down all the trees at the same time. Right. Yeah, okay, sure. because um, trees take in that carbon. Right. Yeah, they use it, uh, they make food for it. The trees actually come out, the whole weight of a tree is essentially from the air, from the carbon. It's like the lungs of the, the planet, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, we're chucking out more and more carbon dioxide than ever before, mm. but at the same time, we're also killing and cutting down more and more trees that would naturally be able to absorb all that carbon and annul the issue. Right, so carbon dioxide is pollutants from coal-fired power stations, diesel, petrol fumes, um, fumes from um, oil refineries, things like that. Is that yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Even our breath. We right, breathe okay. out carbon dioxide. And farting cows, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not just the cows farting, no, it's no. their mouths as well. But all of that, because we literally breathe out the carbon dioxide, and the trees were meant to use it, but we're cutting down the trees, and we're pumping out hundreds of times more carbon dioxide than has ever been seen before because of right. the scale of, you know, the amount of cars, the scale of the industries within the food mm. and the farming. And so it's just getting to, you know, destabilising that tipping point. So where can I, I'm being provocative here, Mike, forgive <laughs> me. Um, what's your view on the whole climate change, uh, the argument then? Do you, do you feel that global temperatures are rising? Uh, and if so, do you feel it's part of a natural cycle? Um, do you do you subscribe to with the ideas of certain members of Extinction Rebellion that think if we don't change our behaviour as uh, consumers and the whole global Western economy is kind of unwound, as we spoke about last time. Do you think we're headed to this disaster scenario? What What is your perspective? Um, well, at the end of the day, I kind of just ignore all the major points that people normally talk about and be like... Try to be, be a bit discerning. Yeah, and <laughs> just bring it down to the fact that, look, we we've got an issue we're we're polluting too much we're we're cutting down you know the lungs of the world mm. to to actually help with this scenario we're also um causing too much um killing off the animals mm. we've just got to be more responsible and be more discerning as a society to realize that's just unsustainable mm. we can't keep doing this year after year after year mm. and expect everything to be hunky-dory mm. So I don't think, oh, you know, is it us causing global warming? Is global warming happening at all? I'm just looking at it as 
objectively. This can't continue. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and as we spoke about uh, in our problem reaction solution episode, part of the issue around the whole um, the environment is all of these fake kind of bin binary decisions uh, or polarities where you know you either agree with global warming or you don't. And it's as you were saying, Mike, it's about zooming out and saying, well, what is for the benefit of the planet? And humanity when you take the politics out of it. I know that sounds a bit weird, but that's almost what we need to do. Would you yeah, I mean, like, I always say it, that the media controls the discussion and the discussion seems to be too much focused on what is the problem rather than what could the solution be. Or, as, as we've said, uh, with a more conspiratorial mindset in that the powers that be are trying to manipulate... Um, the the preferred outcome to their end yeah as we said about more solution into more carbon tax more surveillance all based around protecting the planet kind of thing yeah which is all going to take away the rights from the individual and mm. we don't want that so we just want to go over a few things that we think could be um you know better solutions to mm. things but to be honest before going into the solutions themselves we need to what what is the root cause of all this environment destruction yeah, so if you you mean what is at the heart of the envir environmental crisis? Yeah, yeah. and um, I'm going to say problem number one has got to be the capitalistic model um, to drive the economy to greater and greater profits with exponential growth. Mm. Um, and that's just leading to more exponential destruction of their environment, um, which is, like I was saying earlier, totally unsustainable. Mm. And where we're figuring out, well, people figured out a long time ago that you take a bit of earth, you sell it on, someone buys it, you've made sure. money out of it. So they do more and do more. Mm. And, you know, at the beginning, cut down one tree, set off a tree, made some wood. Yep, yeah, cool. You, sure. That hasn't really made a big impact. But because, you know, it's one of those, um, everything's got to double, you've got to do more each year. Yeah, um, with less. Normally. We've done this for so many hundreds of years now that to destroy the world more each year mm. it's only going to be about 50 100 years before we've got nothing left to destroy mm. so your your um kind of how you would differ from extinction rebellions point is that you you just see it in terms of the planet's resources and and that we are using up the resources too much so that we won't be able to sustain life to the degree that we can at the moment yeah especially in the way um where everything is run and catered towards the business model of mm. capitalism and the economy mm. and yet none of that has anything to do with recycling no. in that because like one less than one percent of everything of the world's trash actually gets recycled and one percent's being nice in that respect yeah and um certain countries that were taking some of the West's rubbish, I don't know what the statistics are on this, are now sending it back because they're just being swamped. And I know here in the UK, compared to countries in Europe like Germany, our, the percentage of how much of our waste that we recycle is, is shockingly small, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's just because we're holding the money above everything else so you know it's too costly to recycle so they're not going to mm. recycle mm. it's easier to destroy the world to get that money mm. um and because everyone's chasing that dollar bill everyone's got to make that money yeah we've sure. created a system that is only going to help destroy us mm. it's almost become a parasite mm. 
Mm. And we've let it become that way. Yeah, so with the exponential growth model, I think you mean it's the idea whereby a company or an organisation has to increase their profits year on year, year yes. on year. So, of course, um, that has a real extreme detrimental effects on the planet. And if we just use one consumer item as an example that we can all relate to is the mobile phone. And now, obviously, all of the um, the uh, essential metals yeah. that are in a mobile phone, you think of um, the impact that is having with the extreme mining that's going on. And that takes place in a lot of quite, uh, how should we say, undemocratic regimes that yeah. may even be using children to mine these minerals. And actually, they're beginning to run out now. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, what was it? There, some metals, there's only going to be like, what? 20 to 50 years of stock mm. left of and them. And will be, that will be it. Yeah, and actually recovering some precious metals from mobile phones, because there are so little amounts in each mobile phone, is actually quite costly and expensive, and mm. that's why a lot of people don't tend to do it. Mm. So, you know, we've literally designed a system back to front that mm. um, is only going to help destroy the planet. Mm. And something needs to be done to curtail that. And I'm not talking about anti-capitalism, let's march on the streets and do the 1% thing. Mm. It's just, let's approach business with a more sustainable mm. um, mindset. A more sustainable model. Um, can I just throw something into the mix here, back to a point you were making previously? It's how, um, I'm quite long in the tooth, quite a bit older than you, Mike, you know, coming up into my late 40s. But I can remember when they were heavily promoting the government people to drive diesel so the big thing was once upon a time it was about 20 years ago here in the uk it's like you've got to go over to diesel from uh, petrol people because they're much more fuel efficient so it's just examples of the way in which um the political control of the whole environmental issue there's it's incoherent it's like one minute you're telling consumers to do this the next minute telling them to do that and it's all it's all completely incoherent and inconsistent. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's meant to be. You're not meant to have a handle on the situation. You're no. not meant to know what to do, how to help. You're meant to be powerless and sure. left to your own devices in that sort and, of and situation. And again, as we know, we won't go into length on that on this point, but again, that's how the manipulation of mankind, the, the mind control seems a bit works, heavy. But yeah. That's how it works. It it's, it's a bit like the gaslighting thing again. It's like where you take people in one direction and then you tell them, no, actually, that was wrong. And then so people are overwhelmed. Um, they're completely bewildered. And here in the UK for a few years, we've had the ban on um, plastic. Is it supermarkets? Or they, they sell plastic bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, by the way... What's all that about? Come on, talk about how not having discerning solutions. Plastic bags are ruining the environment. Okay, and you have to buy them now instead exactly. of just banning I them. I mean, again, it, it's almost it, it's it's laughable. The solutions that are offered don't um, they don't deal with the problem. And the other thing is certainly in UK-based supermarkets. I can't speak of America, Canada, Australia, or uh, wherever other other listeners are from today. Is the fact of the amount of plastic that our food is wrapped in. I know. It's just ridiculous. And there's so many biodegradable alternatives that could be used. Like recently I saw on Facebook, where I think it was in India, somewhere in Asia, they'd come up with like a cover that was made of banana, recycled like banana leaves. Yeah, so they make plates out of them. Yeah, so, or hemp. Hemp's amazingly yeah. versatile. 
Uh, but so there's all of these um, solutions that are out there, but because the um, they don't fit into the political agenda. Exactly, exactly. They, they're not offered. Or the economic model, because the mainstream economic model can't it can't upscale it and it can't make um, uh, a, a large profit upon it. So all of these things are just suppressed. But the technologies and the materials exist to, for us to overcome these problems. Yeah, I mean, what was it? Talking about good solutions to offer, mm. I mean, the one big solution I would like to see out there for companies would be like each one ranked on an ethical scale. Mm. How much are they destroying the planet? How much are they um, using child labour, sweatshops and all this? Like... So this would all be officially disclosed, would it? Well, it would have to be. Yeah, so in um, order for them to get their rating, their ethical rating. I mean, at the end of the day, it would be a great indicator as being like, well, right, that's a really horrendous company. Do you really want to be spending your money with them? Because mm. at the end of the day, things are only going to change if it hurts them in the pocket. Because mm. that's all the business people care about. Mm. And as long as they're making money out of destroying the world, they're going to continue to destroy the world. It's mm. it's their business. Mm. Um so yeah that's that's what i want to see because it's only by the purchasing power of the individual mm. collected in large groups if everyone stops buying from a company because they're destroying the planet they'll realize that's not profitable anymore and hopefully yeah. stop destroying the planet and i think we can all agree that it, it might not be uh, particularly a great truism but our real power in within this system the power that we do have is as consumers yeah because uh, that's what we've become mm. Rather than citizens, we've, we're just consumers now. The other thing, of Although, course... Although, actually, sorry, that brings us to another great point, I would say, mm. is um, the second biggest problem we have within the environmental issue mm. is the lack of political will to do anything about it. Mm. Yeah, true. Or, um, as we were saying last time, um, it, it's just all smoke and mirrors and, and manipulation that's going on, so as we were just talking about so the public can can't really ever get to the objective truth of what is actually happening so yep. a, an example is um if we take things back to the 70 70s uh, when i was knocking around um it, the, the the global emergency was global calling wasn't it mike yeah so... that did pop up i remember watching um old documentaries that do mm. mention that david attenborough one if i remember mm. rightly yeah um but that was because they were worried um, of the Ice Age situation and actually chucking up more CO2 was the solution to really? the problem that they were offering. So again, that's a classic example of where it just switches. There's no coherent approach or consistency. And of course, latterly, in the last 20 years, um, around about the turn of the century, we saw the whole um, Al Gore and his film An Inconvenient Truth, which was released around about... 2004 2005 of course he lost the presidential race in 2000 uh, i think it came down to the florida vote we won't go into that but um so he has profited to the tune of hundreds of billions from this not just the film but the whole the whole climate change carbon tax all all, all related things with that so how can people have faith? Do, do you know what I mean? It's like if you, you might be interested in the, the environmental issue like, like lots of us are, but you look at like what's happened with Al Gore and how he's personally profited from this idea of global warming, climate change, which has been promoted by people like Greta Thunberg as well. People look at that and immediately they're right to be sceptical. And then if they walk away, they're not going to engage with the issue at all. But here at Discerning Consciousness, what we're saying is... Um, 
we we agree that uh, it's right to be critical of people like Al Gore, but by the same token, you have to engage with the issue. That's the thing. Yeah, would I you mean, agree? I would say my critical thing about Al Gore is he's made all that money. And he's not putting it back to do something about it. So no, he's not sure. trying to fight a cause. He's just no. trying to, you know, highlight this, look at this, I've done this, now pay me my money. Exactly. <laughs> so he's he's basically uh, per- personally profited from it, yeah. But going back to the whole governmental problem, mm-hmm. um, I think it really comes down to the fact that we've got, well, especially in Britain at least, a two-party system, mm. which is always literally only caring about the fact that they can get their voters you know if it doesn't impact the voters they don't care about it and another one is if they you know they've only got a four-year term so that's all they're focused on those Mm. four years where environmental decisions you know are something that's gonna go over the next 30 40 50 years and be a long-term plan sure but they're but you know they're affecting us day to day as well aren't they yes um so with all this arguing nothing actually gets done and mm. when something gets done the only thing they can agree on it is like okay then we won't ban you from like polluting so much we'll just tax you for it mm. yeah sure. so actually stopping them from polluting would hurt government's income mm. so that the fact that we have a uh, the nature of the british political system uh, is that the winner takes all in our parliamentary system that there's very little um what's the word cohesion cohesion they, there's not about seeking the ways in which they agree upon things and so as you say it's about um towing the party line it's also so in in a way it's a very narrow frame of reference yes and the thing that i always say is not just on environmental issues but there's ne- there isn't an honest discourse with the electorate because it might be that there are ways in which we do need to change our behavioral habits as consumers but it's not as if the political establishment are going to be honest with us or they'll manipulate it to to their own ends yeah yeah like like the bag thing like you buy the bags now we're not banning them sure or maybe the eventual introduction introduction of clean air zones and things like that whereas if there was an open and honest debate um, the population might be more open to changes in their behaviour if they felt it was coming from a sincere, you know, genuine requirement. Whereas my, this is my point of view, I feel that a lot of the environmental restrictions that are being planned are not really about serving the planet or saving the planet or helping or healing the planet. They're about reinforcing the power of, of the elite, essentially. That's, Definitely. You know. Um, and that's the big problem, is that we've got ourselves into a democratic quagmire. Mm. <laughs> Good phrase, I like that. Yeah. Where nothing ever gets done, and we always look to our politicians to do something. And honestly, I don't think any real big changes are going to happen until that changes. Mm. Um, honestly, I think, you know, a meritocracy-type system mm. um, with a republic base to would really change the way we would um, view the political makeup. Sure, yeah, yeah. And honestly, I would get rid of the party system completely. Mm. And I'm not talking about going communism, a one-party sure. state. Yeah. I'm talking about get rid of all political parties, like mm. just have people in politics, mm. people sorting out people's issues. Mm. Sure, yeah. And of course, as you alluded to, Mike, the issue at the moment is 
how are issues around the environment going to change until environmental legislation changes? And that goes back to government, yeah. doesn't it, at the end of the day? I mean, some might say, if you're being really cynical, that the corporations, in essence, write the legislation for the government and then they pretty just present much, it. Pretty much. That's why I'm saying nothing's ever going to change until there's a political will to do so. Mm. And there's not going to be that political will to do so unless politics changes. Mm. Mm. Um, so we are kind of like... I hate to say it in such a way, stuck in a, a, a system. In a quagmire. Yeah, yeah. Clowns to the left of me, jokers exactly, to the right. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it is difficult to see how the political system will change. So bringing back to the environmental issue, uh, Mike, and for our listeners, how do you think, I mean, how do you think that might change? If we're in this situation of a political stalemate, um, that in itself it's going to mean that the system of economics, uh, the global uh, economic system that we li- live under, that isn't going to change. How, uh, how I'll do tell you... you what can change, though. Mm-hmm. Us. We right. can change. Okay. Yeah. We can stop looking for our leaders to do something and start doing something ourselves. Right. I mean, a great example I could use for this is um, on YouTube at the moment, there's a brilliant movement going around called Team Trees. Right. And their aim is to plant 20 million trees by the end of 2020. Right. I mean, I know 20 million trees sounds a lot, but honestly, on the scale of how much we no, need, not. we need billions, sure. not yeah. millions of trees. Um, but still, this is a fantastic movement, completely crowdsourced, idea, money, everything, going into having a big impact on the environment. Mm. And honestly... I think that's fantastic. I think we should do more stuff like mm. that. At the same time as that's going on, just to give an example of this kind of schizophrenic uh, thinking, upside down thinking on this issue, um, I've seen reports from Sheffield, uh, it's a city in the north here in the UK, uh, where they are rolling out 5G, the mobile phone network, and a lot of the trees in the city centre areas of Sheffield are being cut down because apparently they stopped they stopped those the millimeter waves the canopies stop so at the same time as there's a campaign to plant trees I know there's different forces and powers yeah. behind these two movements but again we look at humanity as a whole it's just madness isn't it yeah that's what I'm saying we've got to take our power back we've got to do something because we can't rely on what we normally respect as the powers that be to do mm. anything about it sure I mean, so that's why I think it's more important for us to talk about um, what can we do as individuals? Because not all of us can go out and start a Team Trees type thing. You know, it doesn't have to be as big as that. But like you were saying earlier about consumer changes, that's really where things will... So even, yeah, if we expand upon that point, thanks, Mike, even it sounds a bit crass or twee to say. So sorry, but I think it's worth saying that as consumers... Um, if we reject the upgrade lifestyle, that everything has to be upgraded, and I would hope a lot of our listeners do anyway, because it's just common sense. I mean, I've had my car for ooh, 18 years. I've had my hi-fi for 20-odd years. Small <laughs> little examples. I'm a very bad consumer, so it annoys me, you know, this whole development of designed obs- obsolescence in modern uh, consumer items and things. But generally, if we, as a species, if we can, um, you know, just buy what we need and also when i say uh, about consumption it's also like consuming media as well yeah do, do you know what i mean that links in as well just watching things that actually uplift your soul where you put your money and your time yeah absolutely 
So would you agree, Mike, that during <coughs> this transition period which we're in, in that we know things can't carry on as as they are, and that there is an emergency um, going on with the environment, and I think we here at Discerning Conscious look more, as we said before, in terms of pollution, species die out, the cutting down of the forests and things like that in the Amazon, rather than harping on a, the um, climate change angle. What what do, I mean, one thing that we need is visionaries, don't we? We need inventors and we need people coming up with new ideas. We briefly spoke upon like this. Well, to be honest, I think all the good ideas are already out there. They are, yeah. They're not just, they're not being highlighted. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, so that's why I think it's more important to focus on, like I said, the individual. What can we do to impact that? Sure. Um, and if we all did this on mass, the problem would be solved in no time at all. But do you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. At the end of the day, as long as we're doing our bit, that's the important thing. Yeah, I mean, talking of visionaries, it was a little bit of a segue into a chap that some of our listeners uh, might have heard of called Buckminster Fuller. Now, he was a, an inventor and a visionary. He wrote many books, I believe 28 books, and he held 28 pay, patents, patents as well. So he was most famous for the geodesic dome. At the time, um, he held many unorthodox um, views. And his main, um, as like an inventor, he came up with the idea of affordable housing, which um, we hear a lot in the UK in the, in the modern uh, era as well. So he, uh, a quote from him, famous quote is, an experiment to find what a single individual can contribute to change to changing the world and benefiting all of humanity. So that pretty much um, links time, in yeah. to what you were saying. But he was, he. I've got a few of his books at home. And the main thing that he was saying is, it's in the 50s and 60s was, we have all the resources to feed the world. We have the insight. We have the intuit, the invention. So, you know, it's only the stupidity of man, i.e. the political and economic systems, that are preventing this from happening. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, what was it? Um, there's enough food to feed the world without GMOs. Right, sure. It's just, unfortunately, there's not enough money to pay sure. for it. Sure, so it's a political economic system. And again, the political and economic system imposes the false idea of scarcity upon us as well. Yeah, I mean, like, um, going to the whole economic situation, mm. I mean... The entire Cold War was fought on what system is best, mm. communism or sure. capitalism. Yeah, sure. Um, so we've all been living this our whole lives with a capitalistic, you know, consumer mindset. Mm. And that's what uh, caused all this, basically. Sure. And lastly, on Buckminster Fuller, um, you can go and check him out, uh, guys and girls. He's a, he's a really interesting character. He came up also with this phrase of ephemeralization, which is the meaning of to do more with less. And that was the principle behind his idea of affordable housing in that from the outside, at least, they looked, you know, very basic. But in terms of their impact on the environment, it was uh, far less and minimal con compared to, say, a brick built house, which, again, uh, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we, Mike? How house building in the UK, your, you know basic model hasn't changed for about 100 years i mean it's absolutely so wasteful it's absolutely um, ridiculous and yep. again until we go back to the government until government legislation changes that isn't going to change i mean you have innovative schemes here and there but the base but the main house builders in the uk because they 
can profit the most from the from the existing model which is you know is not beneficial to the environment that's what we have yeah so you know it, again it doesn't really make any sense does it no it's just crazy the world we live in sure sure um another thing i wanted to touch upon mike was this idea so we've spoken about very concrete things in terms of how things might change with regards to the environment in terms of our own behavior but also in terms of if the economic system was to change, if there were different incentives for corporations, then things might change. Yeah, exactly. But how, what we're going to look at is, what about human consciousness? I mean, you know, discerning consciousness, we're talking about the development of human consciousness. Do you have any ideas about how that might change, or how our consciousness might develop? I mean, we're coming into an era now where it's said that we're going through this upgrade, our DNA is being upgraded so if you are on, you know, a journey, if we are on this journey of evolution, we're reaching a critical point. So not only is the environment in a critical, at a critical juncture, so is the development of human consciousness. How do you see that playing out? Um, well, honestly, in one of two ways. Mm. Yeah, I either see us eventually um, shining brightly and being the best we can be sure. and, and living in and heading towards a, a sort of utopic sort of environment yeah sure or the other way where it will just be big brother 1984 we'll all be hooked up to the matrix sure um like you see in the pods in the beginning of the film right okay um, so you see it'll be either or we are at the precipice at the moment sure. and um i like to say that we've got a decision to make it's not an individual decision it's literally one that takes the world sure and if enough of us are awake woke enough and i hate that term oh yeah so do i um but if enough of us have that insight and are moving in that right direction we can all move in that one direction mm. but if not enough of us are we're just gonna fall down the i mean precipice looking at it from a logic point of view i almost think it's almost as if two of those scenarios will be playing out at the same time almost well, you know. if you go into the micro scale and look at each individual person, yeah, mm. you'll see that happening all over the place. One person choosing one thing, another person choosing the other. Mm. But that's the the beauty of the the collective consciousness mm. thing is it's where do we all move? Because we all mm. come up together, or we all fall together in that mm. sense. Well, someone who's had very interesting ideas around how consciousness might develop is an author called Kingsley L. Dennis. And he's written several books on uh, the future of human consciousness and how it might change and develop uh, in future years. I'm currently reading a book of his, uh, Mike, uh, which I thoroughly recommend to you and all our listeners. It's called The Phoenix Generation and it was published in 2014. Um, and I just shared some ideas around it, which are very interesting. He talks about a new paradigm which will encompass C values, so the letter C, not the, not the big blue C. And at the moment, he says in terms of what we have is competition, conflict and censorship. And he says in the development of the new consciousness, what we'll have is connection, communication, consciousness and compassion. Now, his view uh, is quite controversial in that he says it's not about replacing the current system or power structures it's it's about um ideas he talks about humanity's thinking has to change so it's a bit like what you were talking about this idea in the collective conscious 
and it's about seeing beyond our current limitations and thinking anew. And just to take a quote from his book, he says, the new consciousness is not about conceiving or perceiving within the old patterns. So it, there needs to be a change within all of us. Again, what you were talking about, yep. Mike. And really, it's only the fear of freedom that has he held humanity in bondage for so many for so many years, basically. And it's about uh, being a good example to others. And as the great um, philosopher Rumi said, you you either exist, or or you are. Sorry, you either either exist as you are, or be as you look which again relates to that, which is interesting. So how he talks about the transition to the new consciousness is something called the bridge generation. So the bridge generation is, um, so these are um, people that are very young now, but they will be teenagers in the year 2030. So these are youngsters um, that are being born or have been born in recent years, and they will encompass... Uh, the new con consciousness, basically. So they will have a new mind, he calls it, which is quite a grand, <laughs> grand thing. You're looking at me very sceptically, right? Yeah, I mean, he's using a lot of grandiose terms to explain something that is quite basic. Right, um, okay. You know, calling it a bridge generation, they just happen to be the generation that bridges the gap between the old sure. way of thinking and the new well, way I of mean, thinking. Well, I mean, when you're writing a book, you have to categorise it in some way. Anyway, he said what this new mind will encompass is a global network of connection and collaboration. Well, we can see the beginnings of that with the internet. Well, well, to be honest, I think he's a bit off with his times. I think the bridge generation is already here. Right. Okay. Um, you know, I think the the precipice of change between you know either the Enlightenment or or the dark alleyway. Um, I think it's going to be around the corner. Right. Twenty thirty, it's going to be happening or or not. So he says the new mind. What all that will represent is a rise of global empathetic mind through platforms like the internet social media and the rise of maverick thinkers innovators and creative minds very grand flowery language there so um this generation who are, are going to be young adults around about the year 2030 and this feeds into the book the phoenix generation uh, will work towards forming a planetary society which will be more will be more of a radical shift than we saw from the uh, transition from an agrarian to a modern industrialised life that we have in the West. So it will be transition from national cultural consciousness to global awareness and planet planetary consciousness, which will mean a shift in our values, psycho psychology and consciousness. And he says that the Phoenix generation, who will be young adults in 2030, will be born with increased instinctive intelligence and with a greater degree of inherited wisdom. I mean, that kind of relates to the whole spiritual concept that our DNA is being upgraded. And, uh, you know, what I mean, it he's essentially trying to put new terms to what's known as the um, rainbow children or what's the other terms used for it? Oh, oh, God. Yeah. The indigo, indigo, indigo children, children and stuff like that. And it's basically just saying that um, because the evolution of the consciousness is happening on a universal scale at the moment, sure. everything's being impacted and affected by that. Sure. So every single new generation that is being born, the kids are, are wiser, smarter than, than say, 50 
or a hundred years ago. So what you're saying is this is a process that's been going on for millennia, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are literally just coming up to the culmination of the final act, if you will. So when we spoke a bit about the Kali Yuga in the last episode, you believe there is some truth in that although it's cyclical, this particular part of the cycle, if you like, is different. It's where everything culminates into one. Right, um, okay. The song has its final climax. Right, um, it okay. builds to that crescendo okay. before it finishes off. Right. So this is where we, re relating to what you're saying, where humanity as a collective, we can bring about positive change. Yes, we definitely can. Um, but we have to unite together because, right. you know, with the fact that we're all divided, we're divided by the little things that divide us, but sure. we're not uniting behind the big things that unite us. Sure. And all that's enabled to do is these businesses and these um, corporations sure, sure. and the governments to, to play the game and, you know, allow the situation to get to this. Sure. But just like I was saying with that YouTube thing earlier on, um, team trees, planting trees together, there's mm. not one political person involved in that as no. far as I'm aware and sure. do you know what that's just fantastic I'll probably find out in a few weeks it's sponsored by the Rockadella Foundation <laughs> <laughs> anyway right I think we'll round things up now Mike it's been a fascinating discussion and it's been good to kind of counterbalance last episode which was a bit kind of uh, doom and gloom and negative <laughs> in terms of problem reaction solution and how issues around the environment are being manipulated to benefit the global elite or the political establishment well one thing i always find is you've got to tell people what the problem is mm. before the solution becomes obvious or makes sense because if you mm. just come up with some of the solution straight over that all you're going to get is or oh, why do you need to do that why couldn't sure. it be that why couldn't it sure. be that so you almost need to do that to provide some context exactly so, so hopefully in in this um episode we've given our, our listeners some some kind of hope of how um, of what a more discerning planet might look like, certainly related to issues like the environment. So a call out to our listeners, please, please do get involved. How do you think, or what, I should say, what do you think uh, might bring about change in the world to bring about a more discerning, conscious world? Because that's what we're talking about, not just relate to the environment, uh, environmental issue. So if you want to share your opinion or have an input into the show, the easiest way to do it, as always, is is to go to the Discerning Consciousness page. So on there you can post anything you like, you can post links. If We also have a Discerning Consciousness group, an exclusive invite-only group, <laughs> Mike, which is up to about 800 people now. Which oh, is wow, that's pretty good. Probably imp quite impressive. So if you would like to join um, the uh, Discerning Consciousness Facebook group, book group get my words out please put a little message you can message us on the discerning consciousness page or you can message me um personally uh and uh, send a friend uh, request to me if you're not already a friend so my name is ant insley it's a-n-t-i-n-s-u-l-i -I -I. so if you send me a friend request then i can invite you uh, uh accept your friend request and then i can invite you to the group also, lastly, the bit of promo stuff. Obviously, there are costs involved in uh, running this show in terms of hosting and um, technology costs. So if you would like to um, contribute, make a donation to Discerning Consciousness, 
then if you go to the Podomatic page, um, so if you just type in a search engine, um, Discerning Consciousness Podomatic, that's P-O-D-O-M-A-T-I-C, uh, on there, there is a PayPal donation button. That would be um, great if you did want to contribute. So thank you again, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Mike, for joining me again. Yeah, it's, it's been, been awesome. <laughs> it's, really, it's been really interesting. So I'll just leave you with these, uh, <clears throat> the uh, motif of the show. Remember, folks, if you're not controlling your consciousness, someone else is. See you later. Bye.